You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Well, 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 the transfer window is about to shut, and this is the last weekend of matches before that indeed happens. Plenty of action all over Europe, including Liverpool's need to really get it going as they host Bournemouth. We got Juventus against Roma. That's the Palo de Dabdibala derby. Lazio Inter, La Liga, Bundesliga, and so much more. Michael Lahoud is here. Jonathan Johnson is here. Que golazo. Our weekend preview begins right now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Kegolazo. Thank you so much for being part of the family. We have now passed 21,000 subscribers on YouTube. Thank you so much on behalf of the entire family. We appreciate you. Kegolazo Pod on Twitter. Uh, welcome to our weekend preview, arguably our best, some say, and I don't really disagree with that. Disclaimer, by the way, we're recording this before the Champions League draw which, by the way, is a live watch-along with us as well. But you can re-watch it, of course. But we're recording this before that happens. But if you can catch all our reaction on the pod and YouTube feeds, please do so. Michael LaHood, how are you, buddy? I'm glowing. Still glowing off the Manchester United win. And, you know, who needs Champions League when you got Europa League, baby? Europa League winners, hopefully. But don't want to get ahead of myself. We still got Southampton at the weekend. So we'll see. Step by step, my friend. Step by step. Jonathan Johnson, how are you, buddy? Yeah, doing very well, thanks. Obviously boosted uh, by the midweek win over Bolton. Uh, I was sweating it before the game, sweating it even more when we went 1-0 down, but uh, the boys came good. So uh, I've managed to stave off depression for another couple of days until West Ham visit Villa Park. Yeah, JJ, I was just telling the boys before you joined how like when we went one nothing down to Bolton, Villa Twitter is basically that uh, Elmo gif when he's in hell and everybody just wants to go. That's literally what happens. But to your point, I'm so glad that we got a victory. But hey, JJ, not to worry. Death, taxes, Manchester United and the Carabao Cup. That's great, isn't it? We'll, Honestly, we'll... Abs- absolutely crazy. I mean, they, they must have been listening to Kigo Lasso and wanted a bit more of that beef with Mike LaHood. But uh, I mean, the thing is, you can guarantee we're going to get them in the FA Cup as well. So yeah, exactly. anybody anybody who's you know looking for the smart money if you want to, to, mm. to bet on the cup draws, definitely put a bit of cash on uh, Villa getting uh, United in the league and FA Cup. I mean, it's, yep. it's just written. It's ridiculous. The Villa team have a 50% off on the local bed and breakfast. That's how often we go to <laughs> I mean, the, the thing is, we're, jo- we're joking about it, but I know that there's a Twitter thread somewhere. I can't remember where yeah. it was. If you've even discussed it before, honestly, like the, the number of times Villa have drawn it's United. It's like, I think it's like it's... seven out of the last nine or so. Anyway, non-Villa fans are so angry at us. Michael is right now. Norris is like, shut up about Villa. Let's go. Oh, we well, I just, I just want to I mean, make the, this easy, the, easy, the easy way out of this is just to give us our own 
weekly Villa rant cast. I just want to make this point. I want to make this point with Villa. I just really hope that the pigeon who took a dump in Ashley Young's mouth comes back for this game. That's the derby of that pigeon. I want that pigeon to show up because that will tell me that's a good omen for United. If not, all bets are off. Absolutely. But anyway, welcome everybody to our weekend preview. Uh, we're going to do something different to begin with, actually. Plenty of Premier League chatter, La Liga Serie A, of course, and much more. But we wanted to do something a little different. Yours truly, JJ and Mike, uh, we're going to nominate our one mass must-watch games of the weekend. Uh, and we're going to feature any of the top five leagues. These are the games that we feel are the matches that are really worthy of your attention. And we'll go anywhere in Europe for this. Jonathan Johnson, I give you the mic first. What game are you selecting, my friend? Oh, man, you're living dangerously there. Well, I'm going to go with the easy choice for me, and it's the game that I'm going to be at this weekend. So Parc des Princes for PSG against Monaco. Uh, and I guess the thing that I feel makes it the most interesting is we thought we were going to see PSG tested against Lille last week. Obviously, that wasn't the case. Monaco, though, really have started the season quite slowly compared to how they would have hoped. Uh, and I think they cannot really afford to, to put a foot wrong in the capital. Uh, if they can come away with a, a draw, I think that would be, you know, considered a positive result uh you know and i think psg as well it's going to be a good test for them to see sort of how they do now that they're just expected to go out there and stick five past a team especially some of the better teams in the league as well for my money monaco are a better side than Lille, despite their slow start to the season uh you know but we'll see how they uh how they handle the occasion at uh, parc des princes this weekend JJ, looking at this matchup last season, it was a blockbuster run in towards the end of the season and a shock result going towards Monaco. Do you think they can pull off the theatrics and the heroics of last season? It's a, it's a good question, and I really hope that they can rediscover that form sometime soon. But, you know, I think Monaco are one of those strange teams, especially at the moment where they almost need to be put under pressure to produce that kind of form, that kind of run. Uh, I don't know if the pressure has built up to that point yet. Uh, I know that a lot of people have started talking about the likes of Monaco, the likes of Nice starting the season slowly compared to expectations. But, uh, you know, I do think they really need to rediscover that form, not necessarily because of what's going on in Ligue 1 at the moment. I still think that they have a good shot at finishing as the, the best of the rest behind PSG. But I, I think the bigger worry would be how Monaco do in the Europa League. Because being one of France's stronger teams, you know, there is a real need for them to perform well on the continental stage this year uh, and I think that they could have done better in the Europa League last season uh, than, than when than where they finished didn't even get sort of to the quarterfinal stage uh, and I think a deep run in the Europa League and a good finish uh, Champions League qualification would be a successful season for, for Monaco and obviously the sooner they get into their stride uh, the better for that you know I think Philippe Clément is a, is a good coach uh, and I don't think that it was any accident that they managed to string together that kind of form at the end of uh, last season I just feel like they almost need like the fire lit underneath them a little bit to uh, you know to really get going so very quickly JJ before we move on obviously we mentioned that these are the last matches before the transfer window shuts uh, until again it reopens uh, in January PSG looking to uh, you know get some more ins get some more outs how's the club looking before uh, the window shuts 
It's more a question of who PSG can get out before they can bring anyone in. You've got Keylon Abbas on the verge of joining Napoli. Uh, and a Herrera expected to join Athletic Club. Uh, you've got Levin Kazawa to, to Fulham transfer rumours, which you know PSG have kind of been praying for a, a taker for, for Kazawa for quite some time. Uh, you've got a couple of other players who could leave. We'll, we'll see. I know that uh, our friend of the show, Fabrizio Romano, uh, was talking about Sunderland's interest in Edouard Michu as well. So, you know, there's plenty of possibilities. Villa are even uh, linked with Abdou Diallo as well. I'm not sure if that one will come off or not. Let's uh, let's see. I mean, there's definitely some mm. kind of interest there. But, uh, you know, I think if PSG can move a couple on, they'll definitely look to bring in one, maybe two. Fabian Ruiz ready to make that move, uh, you know, whenever PSG have the, the financial capabilities ready to, to complete on it. So, uh, you know, definitely keep an eye on PSG because there is a lot of pressure internally to try and push out these uh, undesirable players, your Idrissa Gays, your Maricardis, those kind of guys. Yeah. yeah, go ahead, Mike. Just looking at this matchup, JJ, PSG offensively looking like a juggernaut, but defensively, They've been shown to having, or they've been known to have some frailties against this Monaco team. This season's team, where do they, where are they lacking most, and how do you think Monaco can get after them? I mean, I think uh, you know PSG definitely need to be tested defensively. We've seen that they're not perfect in preseason and in some of the games early on so far this campaign. I mean, Mont- Montpellier managed to score two at Parc des Princes. You know, Lille did still manage to score uh, against them last week as well. So, you know, I do think that it's a question of time really before PSG come up against a team with the offensive tools to, to be able to harm them. Uh, and Monaco are one of those teams in, uh, you know, Ligue 1 who, who could pose them problems. You know, there are, they have some quality uh, all over the pitch, especially going forward when you've got guys like Wissam Ben Yedder who knows how to find the back of the net so you know it will be interesting and I think if they can uh, you know uh, manage to, to score say first uh, against PSG if they take them by surprise then it really will uh, set the cat amongst the, the pigeons and it'll be interesting to see how PSG pick themselves up and react to that I'll tell you what's one more exciting fixture in Ligue A, and I know that we're doing one game to watch but I wanted to just bring this one up because Nice against Marseille is an interesting one um, and also, you know, game aside, I just want to add this little thing, JJ. You set the Marseille fan base crazy this week. <laughs> and uh, even when I asked Fabrizio Romano, he was, uh, you know, surprised by it and he was going to look more into it and stuff. But my friend, Cristiano Ronaldo to Marseille. Can you imagine the scenes if this happened? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 one of those weird ones where it's cropped up, it's gained a bit of traction, uh, you know, on social media at the moment. It seems like a very improbable move, but also at the same time, I mean, when you bear in mind sort of what Ronaldo is 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 looking for, you know, in terms of an exit door from Old Trafford, there are not that many options left out there. I mean, he's passed on the opportunity to go back to Sporting for the moment, uh, you know, and Marseille is is a huge club. But they're a team who I think will struggle in the Champions League this season. Uh, you know, they're in transition under a new coach, Igor Tudor, who's falling out with some of the current uh, star players. You've got Milik, who's on the verge of returning to Italy. Uh, you've got Dimitri Paye, who is not in his best physical form, uh, you know, and is already having problems uh, with Tudor. You know, if they could find the money, and obviously Ronaldo would have to take a massive pay cut as well for to, to make it happen. It is, I guess, something that could be sort of feasible in the very short term. I mean, 
you'd have to think that it probably doesn't make the most sense to to Marseille sort of beyond one season, but also at the same time, sort of the the jolt that it would give, uh, you know, the club and a, a club that really needs, you know, little to, to get the crowd going as well at Stade Velodrome. Uh, you know, it would be hugely exciting. And obviously, you know, if, if Ronaldo was to pitch up in Marseille, you'd have the return of the CR7 Lionel Messi uh, battle going head to head in, uh, in Ligue 1. But, I, I think for me at this moment in time, I think too much would probably have to realistically happen uh, in Marseille, uh, you know, in order to get into the position to bring Ronaldo in. And I don't think there's enough time left in the transfer window. Would be fantastic, uh, you know, for Lee Young to, to have another superstar, uh, you know, come and come and join the mix. But I, I think this is definitely still in the the fantasy realm at uh, this moment in time. No matter how uh, desperate Mendes and, uh, and and Ronaldo are getting in trying to to move him away from Old Trafford. Well, speaking of how to sell this to Ronaldo, you know, and speaking of Nice Marseille, just give him a mansion in the south of France. Give him another one off in the next. Week. I'm sure it can work out. <laughs> He's just going to make it work. Absolutely right. All right. Well, these are our games to watch. Uh, JJ has given PSG against Monaco. He'll be at that game. I'm going to go to Serie A, which you can exclusively watch on Paramount Plus and CBS Sports. And this is a tasty one, boys. Juventus Mm. against Roma. Allegri against Jose Mourinho. Roma in third, Juventus in fourth. Obviously, it's very early in the season. This is match day three. But I think you can tell a few narratives here. I mean, this is definitely the Palo Dybala derby right now as he faces his former club. But there are some intriguing, intriguing storylines. For one, Juventus... It's missing a few key players. We've already talked about Paul Pogba, Chiesa, of course, Angel Di Maria. We're not sure if he's going to be available for this one. And on the other side, Roma look good. They look ready. They look confident. Uh, fair play. They only, with all due respect, had to have a, with a one-away victory against Cremonese in the previous game. Juventus uh, couldn't get a goal against Sampdoria. So, you know, we still have a lot to see from both these sides. But I would say, Mike Lahoud, that Juventus-Roma should be hopefully an intriguing matchup, if anything, because you have two fiery, confident, demanding managers on the touchlines. What do you think? Last time these two teams met up, remember the scoreline? 4-3. It was stellar. I mean, you had defenders scoring goals, then getting red cards in the same kick, if you will. And when I look at this matchup, I, I think this matchup comes at the right time for both of these teams to give a jolt in whoever wins this match's season and really make them the title contenders or the the team that everyone is wondering, can they be? And we'll start with Roma. Roma, they yes, they've won their first two matches, but they haven't really gotten going offensively. It's not for a lack of creating chances. Last game against Cremonese, 27 shots, 12 on target. Tammy Abraham, he, it's just not happening for him yet. Last season, it was Hen- Henrik Mkhitaryan who was carrying the team. And then within the first three games, Abraham getting off the mark. They need Abraham to hit. Paulo Dybala, he needs to hit. He's that play playmaking role. What better way, what better game to show up than against your former employers? And you know he is going to be jacked and juiced up for this game. I think this is actually a trap game for the likes of a Juventus because Mourinho will have Roma ready to go. It's almost like someone who's got the, the pit bulls 
in the back <laughs> and just been starving him, starving to Bala, starving it's Abraham. It's the DMX ready to front go. cover, Mike. It's the DMX <laughs> front cover. That's what it is. Yeah. No, but on, on the Juve side, oh, it, this is really the, the injury derby, just key names. And imagine how much bigger of a game this would be. It's already a big game. But imagine if all those players, when they get healthy or if they are healthy, this would be one of the games of the season around Europe already. Yeah, I mean, I think this one for me, it feels like it's got 1-0 Roma written all over it. You've got mm. two one-goal victories already for Jose Mourinho's side. Uh, and, you know, this Juve team, you know, really still struggling to get going. I mean, they took so long to move up through the gears last season. And it seems like, you know, for the for the mentions, the, 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 the reasons that Mike already mentioned, they're also going to be quite slow burners this season as well. Uh, you know, perhaps, you know, they might get moving up the table uh, a bit faster and not sort of be left straggling behind in the same way that they did last campaign but this kind of game is the the sort of match that they really need to pick up the points in so that they don't fall behind uh, you know the early season pace setters because Roma I think with the performances we've seen already so far this season they're going to be very pragmatic I mean you look at what Mourinho uh, you know were was able to do last season you know uh, you know getting it tasting a bit of success in Europe giving the Roma fans something they haven't had for for quite some time and I think now the objective for for Mourinho is is going to be to move Roma back into sort of Champions League qualification territory, uh, you know, perhaps snatching uh, an Italian Cup success uh, and, you know, also, you know, starting to be, you know, one of the really difficult teams to beat for some of those other bigger sides because the, the sort of gap between them and some of the, the leading lights last season was fairly big by the end of the campaign. But uh, I think it, they're going to run them a lot tighter this season. I think I already tipped in a podcast a few weeks ago, Roma, to win the Coppa Italia. So for me, I think that, that Mourinho's men are you definitely going to be podcast, Jonathan Johnson? How <laughs> no, with you, with you guys. I oh, remember it with one, Mike. I thought you, was, I thought was, you said it, was, it somewhere else. I was like, it was, it was, it was when you were on your sabbatical. Oh, that's no. Okay. Just, so quick shout out to you, JJ. Sky Sports, you are cheating on us for a good reason. You better be giving us all hey, shout man. outs saying how Paris funny we are, how great hey, we are. Paris ain't cheap, Michael. No, 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 no. We'll, we'll be finding out soon. Uh, but when, when I look at Juventus, who would have thought that they'd be depending solely on Serbian attackers? <laughs> they're they're arguably their two most potent attackers right now. Filip Kostic coming in, new signing, and Dusan Vlahovic. They've done it for Serbia. They will need to do it for Juventus while these injuries get healthy. And when I think of Kostic, him in particular, Vlahovic will be dependent on his wing play in this game because he's the one player that looks like he, he just has that bit of extra something about him that that bit of dynamic play needed that big of wing play that could unlock back lines and against Sampdoria he came close and for a new player being thrust into the proceedings and, and really having that sort of impact I think of Moises Keane as well could he get a start he looked really good in preseason this is the type of game where Allegri will have to outcoach Mourinho if Juventus are going to get anything out of this game because I think Roma has the edge going into it. Yeah, and Angel Di Maria's absence, of course, will be key. Juventus has this matchup historically in 34 head-to-head -head encounters between this, both of these sides. Juve holds a clear advantage. The 21 games uh, lost eight and drawn five, uh, but momentum goes towards uh, Jose Mourinho and Roma. So that's a good one. Michael Hood, talk to us about your Ooh. game of the week, baby. Well, I was tempted to go United, so I gave him the shout before. <laughs> 
we even got into the deep end. I'm going to go to just the teams that are – there's breaking hearts of the top six and taking names so far. Brighton versus Leeds. Okay. Did not think I would ever be saying neither of those two names. One, Leeds, I have to say it. Well, quick shout out. My uh, Irish dad's in town. He's a big Leeds fan, and he's converted my wife to a Leeds fan. She's never been to Ellen Road. Don't even think she knows or cares where Ellen Road is. But in this household, that's why the scarf is there. And that's why I'm talking about it, because I got to, because I got to, because I got to. But with regard to this game, I love this game because how well both teams have started. Both teams have a clear identity on how they play. Leeds United coming off 3-0 massive victory. Jesse Marsh has this high-pressing, high-octane team revved up and ready to go. Now, let's flip it to the road form of this Leeds team. They're going to be tested going up against a Brighton team that's well-coached by Graham Potter, and we talked about this at the weekend recap. Of This is a team who knows who they are. They've been consistent. They, ha they have a core group, and I think that front three and, and even the midfield two of McAllister and Caicedo, that is the engine room of this Brighton team. And on the counter, whichever team wins the battle of the counterattack will win this game, and if Danny Welbeck... If he leaves a Superman cape at home, Brighton will struggle. If he continues to, to, to re-up on the big S on his chest and the big well back on the back of his jersey, Brighton will win. And for Leeds United, Brendan Aronson, hey, the Americans have to hit. But now you have depth in the League Cup, EFL Cup, if you will. Got to be on brand. Sinistera getting goals. Mateus Klitsch getting goals. They need bench players to arrive and, and compete because, as you know, when you press and you're running and running – you're going to run out of gas at some point, and this could, this could be the back-and-forth counterattack derby where a bench player comes on and changes and wins the game for someone. Yeah, I mean, I, don't, I think for me, this one, I mean, it, it has the makings of sort of one of those underrated uh, clashes. You know, I don't think any of us would have predicted that, I think, are both in the top five or at least in the top six so yeah, far no, based uh, on results. Leeds is third, uh, Brighton is fifth. So, you know, yeah, exactly. this is a Champions League competition right hey. now. Exactly. It's an early season European six-pointer. Yeah. So, <laughs> no, I mean, for, the, th the thing for me is I think given their business over the summer, I think many people expected Leeds to be much better than they were last season. The interesting thing is looking at their business over the summer, many people expected Brighton to be a lot worse than they have been so far. It's almost like they've been flying under the radar because of their lack of activity. I know that they picked up Estupinian recently uh, and they've been linked with a number of other players as well. Uh, you know, So I imagine that there will be some faces in between now and the end of the, the transfer window. But I guess... You know, for Brighton, the, the concern would be that maybe there's not that much sort of quality and depth in the group. So perhaps as long as they can make the most of their good form, kind of similar to last season, uh, you know, this is this is without knowing if they'll make any moves, uh, you know, in the next week or so. So I think while they're while they're at it, this one sort of for me feels like it's going to be quite evenly pegged. Wouldn't surprise me if it's a draw, say a score draw. Uh, you know, but I, I do think it is, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those exciting Premier League matches that you don't necessarily expect to be exciting. You know, when you when you look at the it on paper, you're like, well, okay, maybe it's not the sexiest matchup, but actually it's one of those that ends up turning uh, into, you know, one of the more absorbing contests. Yeah, JJ, I agree with you like 99.9 .9 of the time. I think I'm going to disagree <laughs> slightly here in terms of Brighton going under the radar. I think that mm. for a while now, they have shown the entire Premier League what they're all about. They may not be money-centric and they may not have flashy players. I mean, clearly they don't really have like a superstar, right? 
but they're a very well-run club and they're so good at business. I think like the fact that you replaced Pervi, uh, Cucurella with Pervis Estupiñan is incredible. The fact that Moises Caicedo is uh, living up to the uh, hype that their own scouts have produced is amazing. I do agree with you, though, that depth is a problem for this Brighton side. And it will be interesting to see what happens to this Brighton side, uh, you know, Christmas or, you know, January after the World Cup, et cetera, especially like if some of those players get hurt in the World Cup. So you have to be smart there. This particular fixture is, Mike, like you said, I, it's just two really well-coached teams, eager to your point, JJ, like they're fighting for Europe at this point. I don't care how early it is. That's literally <laughs> what's happening right now. But Brighton have won eight of their last 11 league matches against Leeds. Although last season, uh, both of them ended level. So there is kind of a toss-up in this situation. You don't know what it is. So I think Brighton will come out victorious here just because I think Leeds are much better at Ellen Road than they are mm. away from home. And they get a little bit too vulnerable, when, especially off the ball. But Jesse Marsh has them better than when Bielsa was coaching them in terms of that specific thing. But no doubt about it. This is a great game. Two fantastic managers. I have so much time for Graham Potter. And Jesse Marsh is a personal friend of mine. I just, I love this matchup. I hope it's a great one to see. Des Norris, show those fixtures from the Premier League on screen. Let's focus a little bit on the Premier League here. Southampton open everything at home to Manchester United. Michael LaHood, Manchester United. Brentford to Everton, Brighton against Leeds. We've mentioned Chelsea need to face Leicester City. Reports already from Fabrizio Romano that Wesley Fofana will not feature here. Mm. He's pushing that move to those opponents. Liverpool against Bournemouth. We're going to talk about Liverpool in a second, guys. Man City against Crystal Palace. That's an intriguing yeah. one. And Arsenal and Fulham North against West London, of course, right there. And then on Sunday, Villa against West Ham. We will not mention it, Jonathan Johnson, because uh, <laughs> all these stats are going to come in left, right, and center. Have West Ham having scored a goal and blah, blah, blah. Welcome to Villa Park. Wolves against Newcastle. Nottingham Forest. City ground against Tottenham and Antonio Conte. But before we get into anything that you wanted to talk about, just very quickly in Liverpool here, Jonathan Johnson and Mike, you chime in. Um you know, Mike and I had a chat way before the season started. And we were like, you know, Liverpool are Liverpool. Fantastic. Jurgen Klopp. You can't deny how good of a manager he is. But they're one or two injuries away from being a little worrying in terms of fighting for this title, let alone a top four race. And right now I feel that that's showing. I know it's early, but it's not going to get easier if they don't bring anybody else in. Tiago Alcantara is hurt. I just feel that that midfield... Is a little worrying for me. And then when you have somebody like Darwin Nunez suspended because of the red card. Anyway, Bournemouth at home, you would expect three points. But I guess the overall question to you, JJ, is what are your thoughts of Liverpool? And what are your thoughts of Liverpool in the next few months? Is it more of an urgency than you think? Or than I mean, it's, it's a good question because, I mean, I think there's so much about Liverpool that's kind of changing at the moment as well. You've got that dynamic switching up front. You've got Nunez coming in, uh, obviously having to, you know, to, to find his feet in the Premier League. But Sadio Mane is a, a difficult 
act to follow uh, in that Liverpool attack. So I think it's going to take time, uh, you know, for them to get used to him not being there anymore and not playing in that same way. I also think there's a few players in the Liverpool squad now who, you know, their their positions have to be considered. You know, they sound like there are some issues around Naby Keita. Uh, James Milner looks like he's playing on one season too long. And I think I, it's not the first time I've seen people noting that about him as well. Uh, and it almost kind of feels like, you know, Liverpool perhaps could have done with sort of one extra body of quality in midfield in particular because you were, you mentioned how injury prone Thiago Alcantara is as well uh you know as opposed to sort of three guys where you know there are limits I mean Thiago's a fantastic player when he's fit the question is how often will he be fit Milner you know if we accept the sort of Premier League at, or playing at the very highest level now for a Premier League side is is beyond him and then Nabi Keita is kind of you know in and out of the side so often, you know, he obviously needs to perhaps take a step down, but to be playing more regularly. And it's almost like, you know, Liverpool could perhaps trade in sort of two of those three guys and bring in sort of one player of real quality that they could rely on. And then they'd be a lot better set. I mean, I think once Nunez gets over sort of the the, the culture shock of the the style of play in the Premier League, he'll be absolutely fine. You know, the, the guy's a baller. Uh, you know, he's a beast in front of goal. I don't have any doubts that he will be prolific, uh, you know, for the Reds. Just unfortunate sort of the way that, you know, the first couple of weeks have gone for him in the, in the Premier League. But no, I mean, I don't think long term that I have too many worries about Liverpool. Mm. The only thing I would say is that, you know, Jurgen Klopp's sort of pity act does, you know, wear thin, uh, you know, a bit too often. I mean, I, I, I love him. Fantastic coach. But, uh, you know, if if anyone is adept at playing the world's smallest violin... You can say it. He often, whinges too much. Yeah. It is definitely oh, Jürgen Klopp. Yeah. I, I'm just... Hold on a sec, guys. Looking at my phone. Nope. No Liverpool fans texting me because they're crap right now. They're crap and I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I was texting. Oh I was just a quick sidebar. I was texting one of my good friends, Seth B. Rao, because I'm not going to say the word on the show you know i don't cuss but the b is a cuss word for his name in this moment because it is that word it's bull poop it's bull poop seth i'm calling you out he said it's a long season don't worry it's a long season you want to know why that's worrying for liverpool because the world cup is coming and you already have injury problems the games aren't going to get easier and the the, the stakes aren't going to get any lower this is a team that you need to get some healthy bodies, and you, you need to give get a new physio, if you, you will. What are these guys doing off the field? Is it the training load? Is it the way Klopp and his team plays and the heavy yeah, metal, high-pressing football? There has to be a plan B for Liverpool because it's taking its toll. In the last three seasons, we're, we're having an injury crisis, two out of the last three seasons. When this team is healthy, they are firing on all cylinders. It's beautiful to watch. They're scary to watch. And when I look in the midfield, one positive note for them, though, Fabinho coming back. The difference between Liverpool winning the Champions League and not last season was the health of Fabinho just making it over the line. And I think a healthy and good Fabinho down the stretch, I think they would have won the Champions League. Although Madrid, they were the Cinderella story and the glass slipper seemed to fit just right for them. Maybe nothing could have stopped them in the end. But Fabinho is the heart of that midfield and they need to keep this guy healthy and maybe you save him for just the big games because he's got he's going to have the biggest part to play in that midfield this season if they're going to salvage anything out of it. 
kind of like a halfway house between like an observation and a question for you guys. There's been a lot made about Trent Alexander-Arnold, not just this season so far, but last season as well, sort of his deficiencies defensively, because obviously we know he's a, he's a great talent going forward and he's very important to that Liverpool team. But when they're suddenly under the cush, it, it's strange, like when Liverpool get pressed and do what they do best, uh, you know, and somebody's doing it against them, they seem to really, you know, struggle. And one of the players who struggles most with that is Trent Alexander-Arnold. You know, is that going to be a concern, do you think, moving forward for Klopp? Or is that something that he can remedy? Or is it just as simple as, you know, Liverpool sort of finding their feet again, uh, getting back to playing the way that they're, they're used to? And that sort of alleviates some of the pressure on uh, on Trent. I'll, uh, I'll send that one to LME first. <laughs> well, actually, I was going to give it to Mike first, but um, but I can go first. It's fine. Look, listen, here's what I think. When Liverpool's system is such that when it goes well, your Trent Alexander-Arnolds are going to be usually the biggest benefactors because they're pushing so high up the pitch and most of the delivery is coming from that side. It's not a surprise why Trent Alexander-Arnold did so well from an assist perspective last season. I think when things are not going well for Liverpool... Usually it's their off-the-ball problems, and that's where Trent Alexander-Arnold really kind of just fades away a little bit. I'm not pinpointing so much on him. I think he's clearly one of the best right-backs in the world. I mean, he's almost created a a new type of formula for the right wing-back. But Hmm. when things are not going the way that you want them to, when you gegenpress and when you play that sort of heavy metal football, then usually the players that suffer the most are the ones that have to run the most miles and the ones that have to create most chances. And that's Andy Robertson on one side, and that's Trent Alexander-Arnold on the other one. Sometimes I feel that Liverpool's biggest problem is that their plan A is so good that they really forget that they really should have a plan B. Sometimes sometimes you're not going to win heavy metal. I mean, you can see it already three matches in. I have no doubt that they're going to be fine. I have more questions about, like, can you be a legitimate contender for the Champions League and the Premier League again Mm. with this squad? Because you're going to need, I feel... A little bit more to Mike Lahoud's point. Thank God Egypt is not at the World Cup because, like, there's going to be a few players that are missing. Trent Alexander Arnold, I feel like, happens to be just one of those players that when things are not going well with the Liverpool system, he is the one that really showcases a lot why it isn't happening. When I look at Liverpool, I'm reminded of before, I think it was 2019, they were doing it in the Champions League, but the league. It was wishy-washy, and they they still they had a very great season that season. But Jurgen Klopp figured it out. Maybe it was 2018. I think the one they lost to Madrid. It was some year. I think 2018. Yeah, Get my 2018. numbers right. Yeah. And he figured it out and said, you know what? We are going to be difficult to play against. I'm going to trust that we're going to score goals, but we're going to get we're going to get back to being difficult to play against. Heavy metal football works, and when it works on its day, we can beat anyone, city included. But defensively, he shorted up. He got reinforcements at the back. Virgil van Dijk comes in. They look like world beaters. And I think of that partnership in the middle, the two center backs, Joe Gomez, Joe Matip. They need to keep it simple. You have one of the best center backs in the world who's not in form right now. One of those center backs needs to step up and just know that Trent's going to push up. Robertson's going to push up. And they they need to just be honest and cognizant of the transition teams are filtering into that space. Whenever Trent vacates it, teams are making it super obvious. United flooded their left-hand side. A lot of attacks came down that left-hand side. Yeah. Which is my point, right? Which is my point. When they're not doing well, usually 
the focus point is on the most vulnerable side. So when you put all that left side on Trent Alexander-Arnold, it's clearly easy to see, well, you're going to struggle because of that. Look, we're, we're talking a lot about Liverpool. They're probably going to win like 5 nothing this weekend. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but please, please, please tell me that you guys saw that Oasis uh, tweet that went viral of uh, <laughs> yeah. Van Dyke. I'm, I'm a huge fan of Van Dyke, but that cracked me up. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know about it, please check it out because it is very, very funny. But anyway, the question is, can Liverpool... You know, get that Premier League title from Manchester City and win the Champions League and be a legitimate threat. Right now, I have question marks. All right, we're going to take a break, everybody. When we come back, Serie A, uh, La Liga chatter, because Real Betis, Jonathan Johnson, doing well. Bundesliga, Bayern Munich, let's see how many goals they'll score this weekend. Some final thoughts, and that will be it. Que golazo, our weekend preview. Michael LaHood, Jonathan Johnson, LME, we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome back to Que Go La So. Thank you so much for being here. Michael LaHood, Jonathan Johnson. Calling all soccer fashionistas, by the way. The Que Go La so merch store is live. So now you can rep your favorite podcast YouTube channel wherever you go. Get 20% off all Que Go La so merch by using the code GOLASO20. Link in the description. Or if you're watching on YouTube, scan the QR code in the top right corner they don't have snapbacks yet but i'm working on it i <laughs> promise but make sure that you check it out as well all right Serie A. we talked about juventus roma let's talk about lazio inter by the way and paramount plus by the way is the only place to stream every minute of every Serie A much michael lahoot lazio inter this was tasty no and it comes i think it comes at a good time for both teams it comes at a good time for inter for them to really flex their muscles, they got off the mark, just comprehensive 3-0 win last match. Romelu Kaku is hitting, and him, Latoro Martinez, there is question over whether they would rekindle their form. Check. Ivan Perisic, that loss doesn't seem to impact them as much, although I think that we will see that tested more when they play bigger teams. And in this game, that will be tested. But Denzel Dumfries, a player who's looking good, this is a scary, good inter team. And for Lazio, offensively, Immobile scores, but they just haven't gotten going, gotten going yet under Maurizio Sarri in this young and early season. This is more of a trap game for Inter and a, a game where if Lazio can get the three points, it would boost their season and they would be a surprise participant in that title conversation. 
Yeah, it definitely feels like there's something missing from Lazio that prevents them from playing, you know, the Sarri ball style that we associated with him from his time at Napoli, you know, and what he tried to do with Chelsea as well and uh, and Juve. Uh, you know, it seemed like such a good fit when it first happened and, you know, the, the results sort of haven't really sort of followed just yet. You know, perhaps they do pick up, but it's been a fairly slow start to the, to the season. I mean, it's... Uh, I mean, okay, they beat what Bologna uh, by a goal, uh, and then they were held by Torino. Perhaps that speaks more of T- Torino sort of strengthening themselves and sort of looking to move up back into the top half of the table. But I mean, for me, I think that Lazio definitely have the quality to 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 hurt Inter, but Inter sort of. I expected them to do really to almost have this kind of start to the season last season, uh, and yeah. last season they started the you know the campaign like a house on fire, and then they slowed down mid-season. And I'm curious to know sort of if they're then going to you know really sort of step it up uh, sort of between now and Christmas. I mean, they you know they definitely still have uh, a lot of quality, but like you said, you know it is a potentially a trap game, uh, you know, because when you come up against a team with of the quality of a Lazio, especially when you have you know such a goal threat like Immobile, uh, you know you can get uh, you can get caught out. But I I think Inter will will shade this, and long term, I'm sort of wondering really if if Sari and Lazio maybe is not going to work out the way people expected. Yeah, might be a tough one. And Inter Milan just have to keep on trucking as obviously the Champions League also comes into play and their schedule will get busier. Uh, but as I mentioned, as uh, you know, remember that Paramount Plus is the only place to stream every minute of every Serie A match. And you can quickly and easily sign up for your very own account right now with a free one-month trial by going to ParamountPlus.com forward slash Italy. Just click the Try It Free button and use promo code Italy for instant access to the best Italian club soccer available across all of your devices. Visit ParamountPlus.com forward slash Italy and start streaming today. All right, from Italy to España, let's talk La Liga. JJ, Real Betis, Osasuna normally wouldn't be like the headlining talking point, but you know, both teams are doing fantastic. I know it's early, but they look great. Talk to me about this Real Betis side and how they host Osasuna. Both started very, very well. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. I mean, I, I was hoping that the Betis would be able to get it done last week. Borja Iglesias, uh, you know, in form, in front of goal so far this season. And I think it just feels like the the right moment, uh, you know, for them, you know, to make such a strong start. They've got so much promise. I, mean, I know they've still got issues to work out within the squad in terms of registering all their summer signings. But, you know, this Betis side, it feels like, you know, the core has been building now under Pellegrini for a while. Uh, and the only thing that was really missing from them and just sneaking into the Champions League last season was not dropping points in some of the matches that, you know, they're avoiding dropping points in at the moment so far this season. You know, Mallorca away, Elche at home is the kind of games where they would have dropped points last season. So if they can actually pick up the points here this season, certainly at the beginning of the campaign, uh, you know, while everyone's still finding their feet, you know, I think that really bodes well because I think Betis are going to be a problem again for some of these bigger sides. Uh, And I think we've had this conversation a couple of times times before you know when you know a lot of us are not convinced uh, you know that all of the big boys are going to be firing on all cylinders so far this season I mean look at Atleti down in ninth at the moment I mean I know it's only been two games but you know there are you know sort of 
signs that you know perhaps all is not quite uh, as well with Atleti. We'll see how that sort of pans out. But Betis, I think, definitely have the quality to to break into the top four. Uh, you know, and it's fantastic just to see how this feel good factor, uh, you know, that, that surrounds the team is uh, is really enduring at this moment in time. Don't sleep on this Osasuna team, though. Tenth place last season, and they do what they do well. Two banks of four, four four two, and they tee it up for their two strikers, Avila and Oro. Simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. Love it. Look look at look at first place Villarreal. They keep it super simple, and it works a lot of times, especially in a league like La Liga, where it's eccentric. There's tactics. It's it's that and the Bundesliga are probably the two biggest leagues that focus on tactics. And Syria, actually, Syria is number one, and then those two are tied. Yeah, I would two. say La Liga is the technique centric yeah, league, te- right? The one where like mm. players know exactly what they're doing, and it's kind of a painting to watch every time. But to your point, though, Mike Osasuna, you know, they showed glimpses of why they're they're not a joke here. They can do some things. Can they get it done against the Real Betis side, to JJ's point, that really have already said and knocked on the door of not just European glory, but hopefully Champions League in the future? It'll be really interesting to watch. I think Real Betis, they, their attack is super potent, and Nabil Fakir is playing out of his mind right now. I fully expect him in the form that he's in. He should be on the plane to Qatar for the World Cup because the French national team are going to need a player like him in games where it's close, tight. He can come off the bench. He might be able to pip Anton Griezmann to a starting position. That would be a headline grabber, and we will be talking about it here on Kego Lasso promo. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> for Betis, I think if he can hit, he is a supply line to the likes of the Iglesias's. Uh, he is the heart of that team. He is the crowning jewel of Pellegrini's project right now. And for Osasuna, can you keep him quiet? Can you keep that those two banks of four? Can you just tighten it that much more so a, a star-studded player like that doesn't have room to operate? Whichever team imposes their will on the game, and if it's a if it's a low-scoring game, then that that helps them out much more because they can grind it out for Betis. If they get that first goal, then it could be night, lights out for Osasuna. Yeah, Borja Iglesias already with three goals in La Liga. Juanmi, though, by the way, he already has two as well, and I'm just so happy. For Manuel Pellegrini, he's already showing his class all over. He's showing his class right now. I'm not usually happy for Chileans, but I'm very happy for him, definitely. All right, let's uh, let's move on here. Uh, let's see. Let's talk. Uh, let's talk some Bundesliga. Mm. Bayern Munich. I mean, even Sadio Mane is saying, "No, you know what? Like, we've scored too many. I think like it, it's enough." <laughs> this team is ridiculous, and now they're facing Gladbach. Uh, Michael Hood, what do you expect from Bayern Munich this weekend? I think it, it it's whatever Bayern want to do. It's Bayern's world in the Bundesliga, and everyone else is just living in it. But I want to take you back to last year. I think it was the first or second game of the Bundesliga season. Bayern Munich looked very average against this Gladbach team. Gladbach is a team that starts the Bundesliga season well in the last two seasons, if you will. And they have some good young talent. I think Marcus Taram up top, and they've mm-hmm. switched from a back three to a 4-2-3-1, which suits them much more. You need to get your wingers. And Playa, this guy is a Playa. Playa hater, if you will. <laughs> Not really sure what I did there with the caffeine, but I'm going to go with it anyways. But Playa could be one of their worst nightmares for a Bayern team. He'll be playing on that side against Benjamin Pavar, who teams that have had success against Bayern 
have circled his name on the tactic sheet and gone after him. And I think yeah, that's going to be the matchup to watch. It's not fair to call Pavard weak, but he is the weakest link in this Bayern Munich side. Like, definitely yeah. when they don't have the ball. Right. Yeah. Mm, I don't know about that. I mean, you guys know my you guys know my thoughts on the sort of French contingent at the back for Bayern. I think overall as a unit, it definitely has some holes in it. I mean, the mm. thing that uh, I love about this Gladbach side is they've still got that Francophone contingent going. You've got Ben Sabani mm. in uh, defense. You've got Kone in midfield as well. Very dynamic. It's no surprise that a lot of clubs across Europe are looking at some of those guys right now. To see Turam in this kind of form, I think this makes a huge difference because, you know, we cast our minds back a season or so. Gladbach were turning up trees in the Champions League, surprising everyone. And then, you know, last season was kind of, you know, a bit of a wet fart in the end. And unfortunately, you know, <laughs> didn't, didn't go the way that it could have gone with so much talent in that group. Uh, you know, uh, didn't work out under the the former coach, Adi Hutter either. Uh, but now suddenly, uh, you know, they they kind of have this new lease of life. I know that things have changed behind the scenes of the club as well. And, uh, you know, Gladbach Dortmund is one of the really traditional fixtures in the Bundesliga as well. So I think this is set up to be a really good challenge uh, for Bayern in the same way that I was discussing with PSG Monaco earlier. Yeah, absolutely. I guess I just give Pavard a hard time because he kind of gives me screech vibes from uh, say. <laughs> <laughs> But the yeah, thing, my- the thing is, the thing is, it's not easy to identify his best position in a defense as well. Yeah, that's he's definitely, true. He's definitely not a fullback, and yeah, he's that, not an out. I think that's what back. it is. I think that's what it is. I think that he's that type of player that his strength is his weakness because he's a utility man. But usually, he's placed in a place that's not necessarily uh, best for him. Yes, uh, rest in peace, Screech. Absolutely, thanks, Norris. All right, let's uh, let's focus here now. Uh, well, that's it, actually. That's yeah. our final thoughts now. Wow. We were having so much fun. I just, you know, just kind of 46 minutes gone by. But thank you, everybody. Our weekend preview. Make sure to uh, follow us on Twitter and YouTube as well. Let's do final thoughts, everybody. Before we say goodbye, Jonathan Johnson, give me your final thoughts and why are Villa going to win 3-0 this weekend? <laughs> oh, well, you beat, you beat me to I'm just praying that, uh, you know, we get a good result against West Ham and we uh, we don't have to go through therapy together uh, next week. But no, uh, really exciting. And obviously this is recorded before the Champions League draw. So I'm keen mm. to see uh, who all the teams are going to be coming up against as well. So, you know, lots to look forward to about the next couple of weeks and uh, wouldn't have it any other way than uh, digging through it with you guys. Absolutely. Michael LaHood, final thoughts, buddy. Yeah, I'll be up bright and early oh, this weekend, and I hope I'm treated to something good. But I'm going to go to the other half of Manchester, City Palace. This is a really big matchup. I was going to choose it for my matchup, but I think the game sells itself, so I didn't need to choose it. I think this is an, just a, a big opportunity for Patrick Vieira to really cement himself as one of the best up-and-coming coaches in the Premier League, and I think they could take City's scalp and could be a big talking point, but keep your eyes on that game. I will be watching that game from start to finish. Yeah, we were terrible uh, last game, but Crystal Palace are an absolute force. And Everiche Eze this season mm. is going to light it up. It, I, I'm with you. I think that should be a fun game, though. Uh, Man City played a friendly uh, this week against Barcelona, so I wonder if uh, any heavy legs there, but I doubt it. Uh, but that's a great call there. But thank you, everybody, for being part of the family. Remember, as JJ said, and as our disclaimer said at the beginning, this is before Champions League draw. But if you're listening or watching to this and didn't realize that we did a Champions League draw, make sure to check it out because we have the watch along as well as the reaction to it. 
So you can follow all of that on Keo Lasso Pod on Twitter, youtube.com forward slash Keo Lasso, at Mike LaHood, at John underscore Legosset, at LMH Chigaray. After the weekend preview, Champions League draw, et cetera, there's a weekend recap. I won't be part of it. I'm coming back to the U.S. from Barcelona finally, but it's in between transit and uh, Bad Bunny at Yankee Stadium's calling my name. <laughs> so these boys will be taking care of it. But uh, yeah, plenty more to come from Kegolasso. Thank you so much, everybody, for being part of the show. See you next time. Have a fantastic rest of your week. Enjoy the matches and the Champions League draw. Till then, bye-bye.